Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. This is the word of the Lord. God's rich love his mercy, and his unending grace be with you in Christ. Amen. Now, I know this might sound like a bit of a shock, but besides not being the biggest sports fan, I'm also not much of a car person, as I drive a compact Prius. Not even a full-size Prius. I know, shocker. But how many of you know what an engine limiter is? I see that we have one person that does. This is one of the things that I do know about cars because we can go in this. How many of you have ever driven a U-Haul or a moving truck? And how many of you have ever been frustrated by the fact that it can only go 55? Engine limiter. And that's where, as you look at it, it's the, why can't it go only 55? It's not because the motor isn't capable of going faster or when you're then wanting to go and there's a U-Haul that's not in the right lane and it's slowly trying to pass someone, it might be trying to actively pass, but it can't. I think this is a great way of looking at sometimes the way that we treat our own faith in God, the way that we even look at his promises. It's the, we say and confess amazing things on a daily, weekly basis about what we say God can do, but when it comes time to actually putting that into practice, we kind of put along going 55 in Montana when the speed limit's 90. This is what we end up doing. Where you look and you had, last time we asked you, what promises do you hold on to? You say, this is what God has promised for me. And you listed off things where he promised you eternal life. He promised you salvation. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. He has promised that he has given you a dwelling place that will not end but then look at how we live out our life. Do you live as though there is a God who says to you, I am with you every step of the way, that I have forgiven you without end, that I have promised you life and life to the fullest, that you are my child. And if you're like me and like the rest of the world, we don't. We are like Abram, where he probably is a better example of faith than most of us, who, when he was in old age, gets told by God, leave 
everything that you have and go to a land that you don't even know. And now we hear the next part of where God then has to re-say his promise because Abram heard that, but it didn't click in his head as he then had to try and say, well, how can I make this promise happen? How can I make it happen in my life? What can I turn to? How can I try and get this to actually happen quicker and now? And it doesn't work because it's not what God's plan is. God has a plan that he says for Abram, but it doesn't pan out. And it even goes into things that go deeper than just saying, well, I've messed up, my life is in a, is in a wreck, my life is falling apart. We see that Abram himself is falling apart, and it goes even as deeply as his identity, because Abram was named at birth magnificent father, that he was given the name that he would be a glorious dad. And he doesn't have kids. Think through for a moment whether it's your own name, your kids' names, your grandkids' names. What do you want for them? What was it your parents wanted when they gave you your name? That if you were given the name Wondrous Dad and you don't have kids, you can see how much he is lacking in that department. When God promised him, look out at the stars in the sky, and I have promised you, you will have descendants more than this. When you're asked to say, what does your name mean, and how is God living that out in your life? How are you living out what your parents wanted for you, or your kids or grandkids? How are they living out the hopes you have for them? Well, we often look and say, yeah, it's not going the way that it probably should let alone when you look and say that you have a heavenly father who says that I will never leave you or forsake you. I have plans for you to prosper, and it doesn't happen. Because we can rewind this even further, if that's not enough for Abram, that we hear Noah being given the reestablishing of the promise that was given in the garden, the promise to be fruitful and multiply, as we looked at last week, the promise to go and spread and while the rest of the world failed in that, as they then built a tower, that's a story for another time, we see that Abram can't. But what does God do? He does what Abram would never have imagined, that he says, is a man that's 100 years old going to have a kid? Is his wife at 90 going to have a child? And you probably would look and say, no, no, biologically, I don't think Lindsay's going to sign off on saying an 80-year-old is going to be having a kid anytime soon. Probably not going to be happening. I'm willing to bet that many of you, if you're in your 80s, you're not looking and saying, having a kid is on my to-do list right now. But this is what God promised him all the way back then. And he promised him that people will be blessed through you, that you will be having a land, that you will be having one where people will see and be known through you. And yet, he continued to fail. He continued to not have this done to the point where we hear that they laughed at the promise of God. Brothers and sisters, as we look through these promises of Lent, we see that sometimes the fail isn't even in our capacity to fix. That is the glorious thing. The glorious thing that we hear as we look at Abraham, where we hear of the descendants after you, we hear of the promise that God has to Sarah 
and Abraham as their whole identity changes is we have a God who changes who you are. He doesn't just change and say, there you go, I have promised, go and do it. He says, you now are different. He changes who they are to not just be a good dad, but the father of many. He changes Sarah to being a mother that is blessed. It's the amazing thing where he changes you and says that you now have not just your righteousness, because that failed, we hear that you have been covered with Christ's righteousness when you are baptized, when you were become, when you hold on to, by, uh, to him by faith. The amazing thing is when we struggle, God knows that you struggle. Going through these covenants, we are reminded of how much we fail at this. But here's the thing, when we look at these fails and we look at this covenant, that might have crossed your mind just a little bit, or maybe you already know the jump, that I'm willing to bet most of you would look and say that this is God's promise that, as we hear in the text, is established with Abraham and his descendants. And how many descendants of Abraham do we have sitting here in the pews today? Not too many, I'm willing to guess. Because even by Jewish law, I wouldn't even count because it was my grandmother. But that's the thing. Even that, God has you covered. Because this is the wondrous thing of as he was promising that nations will be blessed through you, Abraham, and your descendants, we look to the one who fulfilled all of that, the child of Abraham, the one who was circumcised for you, the one who has done all things and was the one that God promised, as he said in Jesus' words, I could raise up children of Abraham from these rocks if I wanted to. That is how powerful his promises are, that the one who fulfilled all things, the eternal child of Abraham, then has done what we could not do. And we hear that you have been grafted into this promise. You have been brought into the place where God has promised you an eternal home, an eternal place as his child, that he has made you, who had nothing to do with Abraham and Sarah, a part of the promise that you now walk by faith with him. And so we hear this throughout the New Testament, of that being brought into it. But we often hear it in ways that we don't really receive it. And so, hear it again in a different way, as I have a reading from Ephesians 2, 11 to 13, but taken from the message, which I love reading in a different way because it makes you hear it in a way you're not used to. We're in the message. We hear from Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. But don't take any of this for granted, because it was only yesterday that you were outsiders to God's way, You had no ideas about any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way that God even works. You didn't have the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenant and promises in Israel. You haven't had a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, because of Christ, because of his dying that death, And shedding that blood, you who once were out of it altogether are in on everything. We hear the glorious news that from Abraham and Sarah, those who were in their 90s pushing 100, God has done the impossible. That he has given you those promises that were given to them. 
that through Christ, the impossible has been done. That it's not just saying, I can't fulfill what you ask of me, Lord, but that he has entered in to give you what was impossible. This is the issue that we often have, brothers and sisters. We hear of the impossible things that God is able to do, and we often forget to say he's done them for me, and he's still doing it. And so as we prepare ourselves to celebrate Easter, where the greatest news in all of history happened for you, don't lose sight of the fact that that day reminds us and continues to call us to say, don't limit God. Don't continue your walk of faith trying to go 55 and say, that's good enough. But know that you have a God who has promised you life. He has removed the limits, and he has promised you that one day it will all be removed and that you have a home in him. Remember the fact that he is with you, whether you're looking and saying, it is all falling apart or not. In Jesus' name, amen.